Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and investors pursuing a life of freedom. Today, we are here with Bill Himmelstein with the Tenant Advisory Group, superstar broker in 2020 with the Illinois Real Estate Journal, and this year he is nominated as the Brokerage of the Year. And we are super pumped to talk with you today, Bill. We'd love to kick this off with a fun story. So why don't you just tell us what is one of the craziest real estate transaction experiences that you've had? After a 22-year career, there's certainly plenty of those to choose from. I want to pick out, I want to highlight two really quick. Number one, the first deal I ever did after starting Tenant Advisory Group. It was with this landlord who's also known to um, be uh, have ties to the mafia. They're they're not they're not oh. safe to be around. But I didn't know that. And I'm negotiating a deal. We close it up, and it was you know twelve thousand dollar commission. And at the time, fourteen years ago when I started the business, I was thrilled. I'm so excited. I needed that commission. I was ready to collect it and move on. And they responded to me when I sent my invoice and said, "Hey, Bill." We noticed that you uh, are registered as doing business as Tenant Advisory Group. You, Bill Himmelstein, are registered in Illinois as a broker, but Tenant Advisory Group is not registered, so we're not going to pay you. And so I started asking around. Now, really, all you got to do is fill out a form, and it's like 75 bucks. It's just a small fee. You fill out a form and say, I'm doing business as Tenant Advisory Group. Mm-hmm. So Tenant Advisory Group, LLC, is registered to do business as you know, and, and I'm asking around and people are like, well, Bill, you could you could fight them and and uh, go after your money. But is it worth your kneecaps? And I decided to make a business decision and let that commission go. But that was my very first deal in, in business for myself was a, a mafia family decided to not pay me on a technicality. So I learned my, that was a very expensive lesson. Uh, I, I then registered tenant advisory group and, and moved on and have collected every single commission owed since that first one. Um, and and you the know, kneecaps are intact. Yeah, fucked up to an expensive lesson. Yeah, crazy. I mean, like it could have been more than your kneecaps if it's a mafia. Yeah, <laughs> that's what everyone was saying. So they said, Bill, let it go. Don't, do not mess with this family. Um, and another quick story I thought was really funny. I was representing this engineering firm and I did a phenomenal job. I mean, I'm saving them millions of dollars in free rent, hundreds of thousands of dollars off their rent, um, millions of dollars of TI allowance. I did a spectacular job, testimonial worthy, incredible. And at the end of the deal, they say to me, so Bill, how much of your commission are you going to share with us? And I said, well, that's a wonderful question. Certainly something we should have addressed at the beginning of the deal, not at the end when the money's on the table. But, you know, can you point out in the transaction what part you weren't happy with? Was it that 18 months of free rent that you, you, didn't, you didn't like? Was it the, you know, $100 a square foot in tenant improvement dollars I got from the landlord that you didn't like? Or was it me reducing your rental rate by 22% that you didn't like? You, you tell me what part. And they go, and their argument, they pointed to the CFO and they said, 
don't you want our CFO to go on a nice vacation with his family? Uh, it blew my mind. I said, well, I do want him to go on a nice vacation, but not on my dollar. You know, this is money I earned. And I would argue that he can go on a nice vacation with all the money I've saved you. So I, I just, I thought that was just hilarious that at the end of the deal, I, I hit one out of the park for these guys and, and they wanted me to, they wanted to reach into my piggy bank so their CFO could go on a nice vacation with his family. I, I can't believe you shared that story because that was very, very similar to my very first transaction in real estate where my buyer that I had to drive all over the world for negotiated probably still one of the best deals I've ever negotiated after like now like 500 deals actually wanted me to pay him my full commission because he found the out whole, that, the whole amount, the, the whole thing. <laughs> Like I want your whole commission. Yeah, yeah. I and and and, and I've probably been asked thirty times in my career to give up part or all of my commission. Not at the beginning, at the end, right? It's and always same, the same end. thing as you, right? You ask me well, what service or lack thereof happened that you would feel that I didn't earn this, and it was never like you did a bad job. It was always just I want your money. Yeah. Hey, look, there's some money. I know it's yours, but I'll take that. Right. It's like, well, that's not how it works, <laughs> right. you know. Uh, it's really interesting what some people will do. Now, I have no problems at the end of a deal to make ends meet, to get a deal done. I have many times in my career, and you'll see this on our Google reviews and my uh, testimonials on our website, I will offer to either delay receipt of my commission until the landlord starts collecting rent in the amount of my fee, or I'll accept a smaller um a smaller amount of commission to make the deal happen. I will offer that up at times. I don't have a problem. But if a client says to me at the end, Hey, I need, I need your, your money. That's just, I just don't think that's right. Absolutely. 100%. Um, so Bill, I know you're a big fan of paying it forward. Um, you have the go giver mindset. So can we just kind of jump into that based on your perspective? Like why, do you think it's best for you to give as much as possible? Just kind of just jump into it. Of course, hundred um, percent. You know, I'll first tell you where it started. Is there's this gentleman in Chicago named Maury Elstein, whom I have affectionately nicknamed the Godfather of Networking. Mm. And mm. I remember being at networking events with him, and Maury would tell about how he's spending time meeting a lot of people making connections for those people, you know, trying to understand what can I do to best support the growth of your business and then doing that. The most common response to that was, well, Maury, that's your job. Your job is to spend all day making connections and helping others. I, as an attorney, have to bill hours. I, as an insurance broker, have to sell insurance policies. I, as a fill-in-the-blank, have to do the work. And I always was thinking to myself, you know what? I want to structure my business so I can be Maury Elstein. Mm -hmm. So I can spend all day long supporting others because I know that the more help you give others, the more you give to others, the more you're going to get back. And so it was watching Maury and hearing others complain, well, I don't have time to make introductions. And I'm thinking, make time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so, so I've structured my business to where I'm not the one working day to day, processing transactions, collecting invoices, um, 
you know, whatever it might be, because I think the most valuable thing I can do in my business is support the growth of other people's businesses. And I do want to clarify, Tim, you know, there's a lot of folks who do believe in that go-giver mentality and, and the connection, connecting mentality that talk about, you know, they say you should give without an expectation of return. I don't agree with that. Now, if I'm giving to a charitable organization, you know, or I'm donating my time, yes, I do not have an expectation of a return other than I'm going to feel good about myself. That's going to make me feel like a good person. I'm going to look in the mirror and go, you know what? That, that guy's all right. He's an okay dude. <laughs> when it comes to business, right? Companies spend huge sums of money marketing, right? They spend money on Google ads. They spend money on billboards. They spend money on radio advertising, TV, whatever it is. People don't say to them, why are you, do, are you expecting a return on that? Absolutely. They absolutely, when they spend money on a commercial or an advertisement or Google, they are expecting a return. When I spend time and utilize my network to connect others, I'm not necessarily doing it out of the goodness of my heart. Yes, it is helping other people and I'm happy about that. I enjoy that part of it. But I am doing that strategically to people that I believe can help my business grow. That's how I spend my marketing dollars, my time, and in the use of my network is to grow my business. And so the way that I choose to support others is I find folks that I think could either be a client or they can refer me to clients. Those are the people that... I try to support. And so I always find it interesting when people say, you know, you, you just got to give without expectation of return. And I say, well, how much time do you have? Mm -hmm. now, it must be amazing to just freely, you should go stand at the corner and offer to help people. Hey, who needs a new job? Who needs a new client? How can I help? You know, go, you should go do that. Uh, if you really want to freely give without an expectation of return, but that's not my approach. It's trying to find those that I think could be good clients or refer me to good clients and support those people. But again, it's rooted in giving. It starts with giving. I will always lead with the give. And then if they can't make an introduction to, for me to a potential client, if they hire somebody else as their broker uh, or, or can't necessarily do something that's a benefit to me, there's no longer going to be a relationship. Relationships are two-way streets. That's how they work. I don't know if any of you are married uh, or have a girlfriend, but you know, both are. <laughs> there you go. I'm sure your spouses expect something in return, right? I mean, it's got to be a two-way street. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. My spouse expects more than I give. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and more than I take. Um, but... <laughs> So, so kind of going off of that, first of all, I love that you said this because I, I think what happens for a lot of people, especially like people, our audience that's maybe new to getting into this is they take that piece of advice of just give without expectation of return and they don't have any framework for it. And they're already having a hard time pouring the hours in to become successful. And now they're going into this place where they're, they're not even being intentional with their giving to leverage business. So I, I think first and foremost, the power of what you said of just focus your giving on the people that can return. I think that's already a good piece of advice. 
And then structuring it in such a way where it's like, hey, I'll give first. I'll take the risk. But then if there's not some reciprocation, then I'm out. And maybe long term down the road when money's no object at all, maybe then you could just freely give to everybody all the time and not really worry about it. But then you're running a charity and not a business. Matt, I think that attitude, that mindset of giving, it starts with a, um, a mindset of abundance, you know, versus the mindset of scarcity. I know, and I'm, I'm sorry to throw these people under the bus, but they've earned it. Uh, I think of attorneys when I think of a mindset of scarcity, mm-hmm. because a lot of attorneys have said to me, and this is after I've referred them clients or brought them to an event where there's a room full of potential clients for them. I say to them, so tell me about your lease. Oh yeah, we, we've got a broker we love. Cool. Hey, that's great. Let's talk about your clients and which clients can you introduce me to? And they say, oh, well, you know, if I hear of an opportunity, I'll introduce you. And I say, no, you're not going to hear of the opportunity. It's very rare that when people are looking for a commercial broker, that they actually start with their trusted advisors. They typically start with the executive team around the table. Who knows a broker? Someone is going to know a broker. We are a uh, persistent lot. We get around, right? But... (laughs) My point is the the attorney doesn't want to make an introduction because they think, well, if I introduce you to my client and you mess it up, that's going to ruin my relationship. So they got their blinders on. They go, this is my client and I'm not going to do anything to, to, to mess that up. And I understand that. But my attitude with a mindset of abundance is, hey, here's my client. And if I can introduce them to other good people, then it's going to strengthen my relationship. It's going to strengthen their business. And because they've got better uh, legal counsel, because they've got a better banker, because they've got a better insurance broker, whatever it is, because they've got a better service provider, their business is going to grow and then they're going to need more space. And that's going to be another opportunity for me. And so I see it as an opportunity for growth, not as an opportunity to lose a client. And so that I think is, is step one of getting into this connections game, you know, of, of how can I support your business and, and here's how you can support mine, you know, making those connections, opening your Rolodex, Maury Elstein used to always say, what good is a network if you don't use it, mm. put it to use, mm-hmm. you know, take these business owners, you know, and talk to them about their business. Don't just talk to them about what you do. Hey, tell me about your lease, how much space you have, when's it expiring, how much you paying? say, what's going on with your business? What's working? What's not working? Um, do you like and start naming different service providers? Do you like your, you know, marketing team? Do you like your whatever? And if they don't say, you know, I've got a great guy who's done some really good work for some of my clients. Would you be interested in speaking with them? They say yes. Now you're introducing an owner of a marketing firm that's going to get a new client, and you're helping your client with. A better marketing team. You've helped two people. Both of them, in theory, owe you. And then it's okay to ask, to make the ask and say, hey, I see that you're connected to these five people. How well do you know them? Because those are the exact type of people I'm trying to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really is, it's very difficult to get out of that mindset of not just scarcity, but hey, my job is to blank be an accountant, you know, do tax returns. My job is to review contracts as an attorney. My job is to this. 
And I believe that's called working in your business, right? You're spending your time billing hours. You're spending your time executing work. My belief is that there's always quality people out there that can execute the work. But what's much more difficult to find is someone that can bring in the work, be the rainmaker. And I think step one to bringing in the work is adopting that mindset of abundance and becoming a go-giver and expanding your network and client base that way. And I'm so thankful that you're essentially giving some pathways. I actually, this is something I really struggled with and, and still I'm not by any means like really good at because I'm a cold caller, which is a very different personality than a networker, right? I'm like, damn, I'm going to go hunt my own food, you know? And I have like a, this desire to go get it now and networking can take time. So, you know, when I followed the gurus, like most of the time I'm like, this is, this is not fast enough. I'll just go hunt it. So I appreciate you diving into that. I think that's going to be huge for maybe the, I mean, cause as a hunter, I still should be networking. There's no doubt about it. Well, look, there's a lot of different approaches to, to bringing a new business and cold calling is it's a numbers game. You make enough dials, you're going to find someone that needs your services. So I don't want to knock that. What I will say about cold calling from my experience, and I was a prolific cold caller in yeah, the buddy. early days of my career, um, you know, hundred plus calls a day. You know, they said the goal was to get two meetings a week. I usually would get three or four. But what I learned is that people that were taking my calls and that were meeting with me, they were meeting with everyone. You know, it was, it was time for them to, they had a need. And so when those calls came in, they'd say, okay, yes, we'll meet with you, 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 and you. And then it's kind of a crapshoot on, on who gets hired. But eventually, as the numbers game would suggest, you're going to get hired on opportunities. That being said, when I was cold calling, I felt as if every day I started over at zero, right? You, when you cold call someone, you're not building a relationship. You're just trying to catch them at the right time. Um, but when you're building relationships with people and you're, you're finding partners, networking partners, and that's something I want to touch on in, in a minute on how to find good networking partners. But when you're mm-hmm. building relationships and finding networking partners, each one builds on the other. You've got one person, then you add another, you know, you add a banker, Maybe you add another banker. Then you add a a couple of attorneys. You add some insurance brokers. You add some accountants. You add some wealth advisors, you know, marketing. But there's all sorts of different folks that uh, could be good partners. But from my perspective, when I started building relationships and, and, and building networking partners, that's when I started really expanding um, and, and, and feeling like I was building each relationship was building off the previous one. So now I've got two people looking out for opportunities for me, then four, then eight. And it just kind of grows and grows. But, you know, again, I'm not saying that cold calling is not effective because it does work or else no one would be doing it. Um, But for me personally, I've just found that I tend to enjoy getting out there, shaking the hands, talking to people. But there's also a lot to be said about which events to go to, mm-hmm. how to spend your time networking. You know, we can certainly talk about that. But um, one of the things that took me a while to learn was who makes for a good networking partner. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't mind, I'd love to Please. kind of dive yes, into some go. tips about that. So I talk about three keys to finding a good networking partner in order. They are, um, number one is, You've got to find someone 
you share similar values with. That's step one, because you don't want to introduce, say, a racist, right? Like, unless you're a racist and all your clients are racist, great. Now you find that you share similar values with the racist. But, you know, most of us probably would at least not admit that we're racist. And so we don't want to be introducing people that don't share similar values because that does reflect poorly on us. You know, boy, like here's an example I usually use is there are some folks out there that I call like the, uh, the frat boys. And, and I was a fraternity brother, uh, but you know, the frat bro is let's get a steak and, and, and go to a strip club. Okay. Not exactly what I would want to do. And so the people that I'm making connections with tend to be, um, I don't want to say more wholesome because that's not fair, but like, whatever, they, they're, they're, they're high integrity people. Not that a guy who goes to a strip club doesn't have integrity, but you know, that's just not the, the, the scene that I'm a part of. I'm not going to offer a client, let's go to a big steak dinner and, and, and go uh, demean other people. That's just not my, my intent. And so you want to find people that you share similar values, that treat your clients similarly, that are responsive, right? They do what they say they're going to do. They're experts in their fields. They're good at what they do. Then when you're introducing those people, they're going to reflect really well upon you. Your client's going to say, wow, you introduced me to so-and-so. They called me back immediately. They, they did what they said they were going to do. They were on time. They were professional. That reflects well upon you. That's step one to finding a good networking partner. So before, do you share some Before we values? go to step two, I want to dive yeah. deeper into this because there sure. are people like me and probably a lot of others that, that struggle even with that concept, let's say. So let's say values. How Let's get more specific on, and you gave some examples, how do you know what values to prioritize and how do you, do you have a process for that? Yeah, so that's a great question. And so obviously, I mean, Certainly, in the, I would always advise to avoid uh, political discussions and religious discussions. Mm-hmm. So then now you're thinking, okay, well, if I can't talk about those two things, how do I know if my values are aligned? You can always ask them, how do you treat your clients? You know, uh, like I had, I had a, uh, a mentor, and I'm going to use that term very lightly, but early in my career, mm-hmm. I had a guy who said, Bill, don't call your clients back right away because then they won't think you're busy. And I had to, my mind was just blown. Like, wow, you are playing, you know, middle school games here. Totally. Like, yeah. Yep. Me. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to call my clients back immediately. So they think they're my mm-hmm. only client or they're my most important client. Was your mentor um, an attorney, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was not, he was just a, a, a sad human being, but, uh, which, well, I don't want to get into it sure. about attorneys. And, and, and uh, I want to I say there are amazing attorneys out there. In fact, the one that connected right. us on the show is truly a picture of giving and kindness. So, yep. You're spot on. Gary Davidson mm-hmm. is a happy man. He's a high integrity guy. He's a connector. He's a wonderful human being. So, yes, there are great attorneys out there. So I don't mean to throw them under the bus. But, you know, just in the conversation that you're having with them, You're asking about their business, right? What do you do? That's at a networking event. That's question number one. What do you do? Um, And and while they're saying that, you can can probe a bit about how they do it, right? 
because we all know what bankers do, what accountants do, what real estate brokers do. We all know that. I think the question is, well, how do you do that? How do you do it that's different? And so if someone asked me that, I would say, Tenant Advisor Group has three core values. Be responsive, do what you say you're going to do, and put your client's best interest first. So maybe asking someone, you know, what are your core values in your business? You, you could flat out ask that. Um, and you'll find out pretty quickly with the, with the right questions like that, is, do you share similar values or not? What would you say an answer or would a lack of an answer be a red flag for you? If, if you ask someone their values and they're kind of hemming and hawing, is that, is that a red flag? I, you know, I, I obviously I don't want to rush to judgment on anyone, but we're also, we're at these networking events for a purpose. We're there to grow our business. We're there to find connectors who work with similar clients as we do, which sneak preview number two, um, and that have the same value. So we're there with a purpose trying to meet people that we think can become good partners. And so I do think it's okay to try and size people up based upon the information that you're, you're getting from them. Um, also, another thing, if you're talking to them and they're always doing this, looking, looking out for who else is around, they're not engaged with you. You know, that's just a, hey, I see that you're preoccupied. Maybe we'll connect at another time. Uh, another thing is anyone that's super quick to give you their business card, I'm usually fairly skeptical of um, <laughs> someone who just, hi, my name's so-and-so here's my card. It's like, well, nah, that's great. But you know, I don't look as at networking as a, 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 a game of numbers. How many cards can you give out and collect? It's about quality over quantity. It's connecting with the right people. And so it's just like, if you're talking to, um, you know, I'll say a woman at a bar, but maybe if you're in, you know, if you're talking to someone that you're trying to have a, 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 a relationship with, it's those questions. And it's just trying to, to understand who they are as a person and whether you feel that they share uh, the same values as you do that, you, you know, it doesn't, to me, whatever religion you are, that's not a factor. It's, it's, you know, you because a lot of religions share the same values, right? We all all the religions pretty much share the same values. It's how do those people bring them into practice? You know, um, are they evangelist evangelizing and trying to convert you to something? You know, it's like, well, let's 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 slow down. You know, you don't know me, but maybe we're already on a similar page. But the way that you're approaching me with trying to shove something down, you know, my belief system. That doesn't sit well with me. Or if you're trying to sell me something, you're trying to push a, a product or service onto me, that's not who I want to be putting in front of my clients. Yeah. Because I don't think they're going to want to talk to them and they may not take the next introduction that I make for them. So just kind of going into a conversation with your eyes and ears open, right? Asking a question and then listening and trying to do the best you can to summarize whether you think that would be someone that you'd be comfortable putting in front of a client. Cause that's, that's, uh, that's step one is cause if you're not comfortable putting someone in front of one of your clients, they're probably not going to do the same for you. And that's not going to be a, a mutually beneficial relationship. Totally. Let's get into the step two now. Or, so yeah, the, two, step two, the second key. Yeah. 
The second key to finding a good networking partner in my mind is do you work with similar clients, right? If for me, I'm trying to work with business owners that have between 50 and 500 employees, slightly less or slightly more is fine. But if someone says to me, a good client for me is anybody, I run the other direction. Like I'm out of there because a good client for me is not anybody. It's a small to medium sized business owner, right? Or they say, yeah, we work with uh, fortune 500 companies. Cool. Good for you. I don't, those aren't my clients. And so we're not going to be able to introduce each other to the right type of people that are going to be good for each other. And so once you find out who they work with, you know, it, it has to align with who your ideal clients are because it's essentially at the end of the day, a good networking partner is going to be someone that you're sharing your networks with, that you're making introductions for. And if they're introducing me to, uh, you know, a plumber, well, that's cool. I've, I respect plumbers. There's a valuable service there. Plumbers aren't hiring me for my services. I could hire them, right? But they're never going to hire me. And odds are, and now we're getting a sneak peek into, into the third, uh, third component here, is that when a plumber is introducing me to a business owner, they may not take that plumber's introduction seriously. So I'm, not, I'm still not going to get anywhere out of it. Even if that plumber, hairdresser, electrician, HVAC guy, associate, at whatever firm, you know, low level, whomever, you know, remember, you've got to network with the end goal in mind. The end goal is who are you trying to get in front of? That's what we're going for is, you know, I've, you've got to identify that. You got to know who you're trying to get in front of or else you're just taking the shotgun approach and you're just shooting, spraying out a, a, a shotgun of, of bullets and of pellets and hoping that one of them hits the right person. I would rather be much more focused and strategic about number one, defining who that ideal potential client is for me and then focusing my efforts on getting to that person. And so if you're not working with similar clients, it's just, it's not going to be effective. It's not going to be productive for either of you. And you can say, Hey, that's great. Maybe there's some people I know that work with fortune 500 companies that I can get you in touch with, but really you're still no closer to your client. All I'm doing is introducing you to someone else who may be able to introduce you to the potential client. At the end of the day, we're all trying to get to the potential client. That's the goal. And so networking at events that don't necessarily have the people that are working with your similar clients, it's you're spinning your wheels. You're not getting any closer to that client. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. 
We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. A lot of people, when they talk about, like, because you're very pointed, which I love, because I view myself in a very similar way, and I think that's how you get there. The, the counter argument, let's talk about the counter argument for a second. Counter argument is, you know, essentially there's a lot of people out there that can't produce value. So, so let's talk about what happens when you, when you are engaged with somebody in a conversation at a networking event and you recognize you don't share ideal clients. How do you move through that conversation? And is there still a way that you can get value or is it just kind of like, hey, let's just end this as quick as possible and move on? It, is, it can be uncomfortable to end the conversation and walk away. And so I try to be very succinct. I'll say, oh, that's great. Um, you know, you're working with Fortune 500 companies. I'm sorry, I don't have any connections that could be helpful to you. I might suggest, but maybe I know there's someone else there that does work with Fortune. I go, maybe you should talk to that person. And by the way, do you know anyone that works with SMBs, small and medium-sized businesses or whomever it is that I'm trying to connect with? So I'll ask them that. And the, after their answer to that question, that's the end of the conversation. Either it's, yeah, that person over there would be good. Great. Now I've gotten closer to someone who's working with similar clients, and I'm able to say, thank you. I'm going to go introduce myself to them. You know, but, but you're right, Matt. You can't you're, – you're there for a purpose. You're at that event for a purpose, to meet people that can get you in front of your ideal client. And if you find yourself talking to someone that you either A – don't share similar values with, or B, aren't working with similar clients, you've got to end the conversation politely and, and move on. But I always would say, you know, on the first one, if you're not sharing similar values and it's not a good fit, it's very easy to say, hey, it was really nice to meet you. I hope you, I hope you connect with some great people tonight and move on. Beautiful. Uh, if you've gotten to the second stage and you find out that they aren't working with similar clients, you can say, hey, I think that person over there might work with similar clients as you. I would recommend chatting with them or you can say, ah, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I just, those aren't the folks that are in my network and I don't think I'd be of much help to you. Um, but I wish you luck tonight. Have a great evening, you know, and, but you gotta, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to, to, to kill a conversation, but think about the whiffum. What's in it for me? You're, remember, you're there to grow your business. Mm -hmm. You're there to be productive and meet people that you can network with and serve as connectors for each other. And if, and if you've identified that someone is not that person, you've got to cut your losses and move on. Totally. But obviously, you know, try and do it politely. Totally. Yeah. And I think the ways that you've laid out are, I mean, they're very polite and, and there's even an air of trying to help them. Like, Hey, like I just talked to so-and-so over there and they might be a good fit. And I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about generally these things are events, which usually have some kind of cost for the event itself, the cost to be there, the cost for the time away. I mean, these are expensive events typically if you're having high net worth or talented individuals. I mean, it, you really want to make sure you maximize that time. If you get into a good room, you got to make the most of it. And, and, and that's you touched on something that's really important to note is that typically the greater the cost to the event, the higher the quality of people that are going to be there, just in general. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's probably a lot of exceptions here and there, whatever. My point is, is that if you're going to a free event, um, I, and I love free as much as the next person. Don't get me wrong. Free is my favorite. Those are my favorite drinks, my favorite food, everything <laughs> free, That's my favorite. Um, but I, I typically are not going to like, well, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus here, but just like a big open networking event that's going to have thousands of people and it's going to be all entry level people, you know, or um, not significantly experienced people also aren't going to necessarily have that strong of a network. Um, but if you're going to an event to your point, Matt, that costs $50, $200, the people that are in that room are there with a purpose as well. And so I'll talk a little bit. I do want to come back to events and, and some ways to structure opportunities that are ideal for you, no matter what you're doing. Cause I have some comments about how to maximize the value of events. Um, but I do want to finish up point number three. This is the toughest one to, to figure out and it will take some time and you will have to lead with the give to, to understand this. But, the third key to finding a successful networking partner is does that person serve as a trusted advisor to their client? Meaning, do they have a strong enough relationship for when they do make an introduction to you, the other person responds, right? So to, to bring Maury Elstein back into the equation or, or a Jeff Rossett or a Matt Green, these are people that when they make an introduction The other person doesn't care what you do. They care that Maury, Jeff Rossett, or Matt Green made the introduction and they go, oh yeah, Matt, Matt's introducing you. I'll talk to you. Sure. Those people are trusted advisors. And so when they make the introduction, the other person, you're going to have a meeting out of it. Whereas I had a guy that I really liked. He was a, he was a gentleman at Paylocity. He was a salesperson for Paylocity. We shared similar values. He was very responsive. He followed through. He did what he said he was going to do. He was a really good person. We worked with similar clients. We had the first two aligned. But once he got the meeting with the potential client, he turned it over to the inside sales force that could then talk about the product. And once they got hired, they worked with someone else. He didn't have a relationship. He was a cold caller and he was great at it and he found a lot of opportunities and he was very successful and very wealthy, but he would make introductions and they'd go, who, who is that? Like I wouldn't get any meetings out of his introduction. So I finally had to say to him, look, I really like you and I wish you the best. I know you're, I I wish you continued success, but there isn't a a point to this relationship. It's a one-way street. I can introduce you to people. You can talk to them set up a meeting, get them to the next guy who then explains, and then, and then they end up with a client services person. So maybe I should have been networking with the client services people at that company at Paylocity. But so my point is for number three, they have to actually have a solid relationship with that person. So now when I'm asking my networking partners for introductions, I don't say, can you introduce me to X, Y, and Z? I say, how well do you know these people, X, Y, and Z. Because I want to find somebody that's got a solid relationship because then that introduction means something. Hey, my good buddy is introducing me to Bill. I don't care who Bill is. 
my good buddy's introducing me, so I'm going to talk to Bill, you know? And so those are my three keys to uh, finding a good networking partner. And I will, one thing we can circle back to as well is leveling up Mm. from relying on a networking partner to actually getting to the source of and being, having the relationships with the direct clients or potential clients. So you do a lot of the networking, right? You're out at the events, you're meeting good people, you're building a network of service providers, which will be valuable in the future. Your client says to you, we need a new bank. Ours isn't giving us a line of credit we need. So hopefully you've got some good commercial bankers you can connect them to. Or our accountant was my buddy from college. He's a small time shop and he's great and I love him, but he can't handle our, our larger, our, our growing business or, you know, whatever it is, you're going to need arrows in your quiver. You're going to need resources to be able to refer to your clients in the future to support the growth of their business. But ultimately what I have driven towards and found great success in is rather than networking with the people that a may or may not know about the opportunity where there's a need for my services and then B may or may not make the introduction when they hear about that. I want to go straight to the source. I want to be networking with the people that can hire me, right? The business owner, the decision maker, the CEO, the founder, the private equity owner. That's who I want to be networking with. So when there is a need, they already know me. They don't have to talk to their board. They don't have to talk to their executive team or their trusted advisors, their banker, accountant, or attorney. They go, well, I already know Bill. He's referred me to clients. He's brought me to events where I've met other potential clients. We're giving Bill a shot. And so I've called that leveling up. And that means going from relying on your networking partners to refer you the opportunity, which then you still have to pitch it and build a relationship with the potential client, to leveling up to the decision maker and having that be your network. And I'm going to give you some tips about how to do that. And it starts with events, Matt. We talked about getting to the right events. What I've experienced is that it doesn't really matter what the event is, who's hosting it, how much it costs, as long as there's going to be the people that you want to meet there. And if you don't know for a fact that there's going to be the people that you want to meet there, bring those people. Mm-hmm. Bring the people you want to spend time with. Invite those potential clients. Invite your clients. Tell them to invite a couple clients. And so now every event you go to, you know it's going to be valuable because the people you want to talk to are your guests. Totally. They're coming with you. And if you say to someone hosting an event, hey, you mind if I bring these three business owners? They're going to say, heck yeah, Matt, you bring those people, mm-hmm. please. Please bring those people. So, you know, I'll be invited to events that are hosted by bankers, attorneys, you know, insurance brokers, wealth advisors, whomever. For me, it's less about the event and who I'm going to meet there and more about who I can bring with me, who I can invite. Even if the people you invite don't come, you still had a touch point that wasn't you asking for something from them. It was you offering something to them. Hey, I have this opportunity. Uh, doesn't even matter what it is. Drinks at this place, app, whatever it is. I'm, I'm offering you an opportunity to come and, and, and get something 
uh, and maybe meet some good people. But at the very least, you know, I'm going to be there. I would argue that some people are like, oh, Bill, you're going to be there? No, I I'm not going. I, I don't want to go with you. I I'll call you when I have a real estate need, but I don't need to hang out with you. <laughs> I get it. I understand that. Not everybody likes me as much as my, my mother and my wife do. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, making the events valuable and impactful for you is really, really important. And so trying to level up and if you're going to something, invite the people you want to spend time with. Mm -hmm. So you know that when you go to that event, it's going to be meaningful. And I don't know if you guys have kids or not. If you're married, you, you either have them or you're on your way to probably having them. Yeah. Um, or we have lots of them. We both got kids. Yeah. Matt's got four. <laughs> I got two. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That sounds exhausting. Uh, I have two yep. and I love them <laughs> dearly. And I'm sure like you, I want to spend as much time with them as possible. Mm -hmm. So going to an event and missing an opportunity to be with my children at night it better be valuable. Yeah. It better be worthwhile. Yeah. And so yeah. taking that extra step to ensure that that event is valuable uh, makes you a lot less guilty after the fact, right? You know, oh, you yeah. go there, you mm -hmm. spent time with potential clients or clients, and so you know it was worthwhile. Mm. So further about events, what I have learned going forward is that there are other service providers that want to be around your clients, right? That's who we're all trying to get to is the end client. So if you can have an event that's populated by the end client for someone, they will pay for that event. Totally. Mm -hmm. So now I get sponsors and I say, all right, I want to host a dinner with 10 mm -hmm. good people, potential clients or, you know, past clients. I'll go to a service provider I know and say, hey, you and I, we share similar values. We're working with similar clients. What if I filled up a dinner table full of those potential clients for you? Would you pay for that dinner for everybody? And they say, heck yeah. You know, hey, if I put a, a, a boat outing together, $3,500 for 49 people out on, a, out on a yacht, three hours of you can't go anywhere, would you pay for that? Heck yeah, I will. And so now the majority of the events that I go to, I'm, I'm hosting them. Hmm. I'm the host. I'm bringing all the guests that I want to spend time with and someone else is paying for it. Someone else who also wants to be around those same people. So that to me is part of the, the leveling up experience. So instead of waiting for you know, your networking partner to A, hear about the opportunity and then B, refer you to the opportunity and then C, actually winning that opportunity. If you can be networking with clients and potential clients and keep in mind, clients typically have relationships with other potential clients that you want to do business with. So now I'm asking these business owners for introductions to people. And, and what's a more valuable introduction? So coming from you know, a first year associate out of college or a very successful entrepreneur and business owner who's saying, hey, I want you, my other client, I want you to meet Bill Himmelstein. Mm -hmm. It's just mm -hmm. a more impactful introduction. Yeah. And then we can meet those people and say, hey, guys, I'm, I'm hosting a, you know, an event doing such and such. Don't worry, it's not going to cost you anything. I got a sponsor that's going to cover all the expenses. We're just going to get together with a bunch of business owners and 
have a nice time and meet each other. Um, and so that's kind of been my approach for the last many, many years. And it's, it, and it works, but it takes a lot of time, right. To get there. That doesn't happen overnight. Matt, you, you mentioned, so what about people that are just getting started? You got to go to the events, mm-hmm. got to meet, you got to start with great networking partners uh, and you got to rely on them to introduce you. Now, what I would argue is that when someone asks, what am I going to hear to think of you and make an introduction to you? And as real estate brokers, we think, well, when there's a transaction, right? When someone needs to move or they're outgrowing their space or they have too much space or they want to buy a building. Well, I got news for you, brokers and, and people. Usually it's too late. Mm-hmm. Once someone mm-hmm. hears, like I can't tell you how many calls I've gotten from networking partners that say, hey, Bill, you know, this client of mine's movie. I say, that's great. I needed to know, I needed to meet them two years ago before they even thought about moving. I needed to build that relationship so I could add value to them, build trust. And then you don't compete for opportunities when you got the relationship, right? That's who, that's who people that are searching for referrals, that's who they lose the opportunity to someone like me that already has the relationship. I don't compete for, for my deals because I've built the relationship. And so the key is to get to that point where, you know, you, and I get it. You got to start with the networking partners and you introduce them to your clients. They introduce you to their clients. And then you do, you repeat the process with those business owners. It's not about jamming your product or service about down their throat. It's about asking them what you can do to support the growth of their business. How can you help them? And they'll tell you, number one, they're always going to say they need more clients. Okay, who are your ideal clients? Law firms? Terrific. Here's where attorneys, you know, I've got about 90 managing partners of law firms that I know. I've referred most all of them business and a lot of them multiple pieces of business. And that's no, there's very little benefit in having a relationship with law firms unless they're going to hire me to do their real estate transaction. But where those people can be of value is when someone says, I like doing business with law firms. They're great clients for me. Perfect. I got 90 of these guys who've done next to nothing for me, but I'm happy to introduce you to. And, and what they think, those attorneys think, oh, Bill's been very helpful for me. I'll take this meeting as a favor to him. Yes, that is a favor to me because now I'm giving someone else an opportunity to win a piece of business. And that person now, has a, there's a greater probability that they're going to work with me when they have a deed. Totally. So I, I hope it's all kind of starting to come together, starting to piece together sort of the approach, the mentality, that uh, mindset of abundance, the giver's gain, um, the connecting. That's how, that's why... Even starting off, going to those events is important because you're still going to need good service providers to support your clients with. You're going to need them to introduce you to clients. But when we were talking about, you know, what, when is the need? How will I know to introduce you? I say today, right now. Don't worry about the need because you're not going to hear about it. And if you do, it's already too late. They've already been touring with a broker. They've already signed a lease. They've already bought a building. What I want to do is identify my ideal client, and we talked about this earlier. Step, you know, going into a networking event, you got to know who you're trying to get to, who your who your goal is, uh, who your who your ideal client is. So that with that in mind, I want to meet those people. I could care less what's going on with their lease. You know, if, if they have a lease, 
I know it's going to be expiring at some point. And if they've got two, three, four years left on their lease, that gives me time to bring them value, to build trust, build that relationship. And oftentimes, as we know, guys, just because you have a lease due in five years doesn't mean you're not going to have a need before that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, it's just building relationships with your potential clients, in my mind, is one of the best ways to bring in new business is to have the relationship so when there is the need, they, they call you. Totally. There's, we were joking before the show, right? And Bill, you have the face that's made for TV. Tim, you have the voice that's made for radio. <laughs> I said I had the face made for radio. Radio. There you go. <laughs> and, and, and so then there's guys like me, right? And so, and I'm not putting myself down. I have tons of self-confidence and whatnot. But for those that maybe aren't, don't feel as natural in a social setting, like people like me who grew up nerdy, mathematical, somewhat introverted, what are some ways if maybe events aren't the thing that they can accomplish the same thing? Uh, educational events. You know, I do host events that are focused around a topic. My topics are rarely real estate. If I'm invited to talk about real estate, I'll talk about real estate. But the events I host are going to be based on um, how to attract and retain top talent, how to build the right culture, how to bring in new business, right? These are, these are topics that a lot of people, but if you're, you know, a, a super sharp CPA, come up with a topic that's relevant, you know, how do you navigate supply chain issues? What are best practices for navigating um, a rising interest rate environment? How could the war in Ukraine affect your business? Um, you know, with the, with the talent, with the labor shortage, how do you navigate that and, and retain the talent that you do have? Um, so coming up with educational events are still good. They're still valuable. And now you can be that person that's displaying your expertise, that's sharing, you know, here's what, you know, here's how we are foreseeing, you know, modeling the, the economic outcome of what's going on right now. And here's how we think we can navigate this environment or whatever it is that you're doing. If you're in insurance, how can we manage risk? You know, so, so hosting those educational events are still good being a host on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it is a little different. It's a mindset change for what we'll just call someone an introvert. Right. Um, and it's tough, but I do think that having those educational forums, you know, maybe getting saying, all right, I'm going to host a luncheon with three, four, five people, and this is the topic we're going to discuss, you know, and, and have that topic out there that's going to be relevant to your, to your audience. Um, so that to me is usually a really good way because now you're, you're the subject matter expert and you're getting to display your knowledge of that. Beautiful. It may be more difficult to get guests, but again, you're throwing in the lunch. And you could also find that sponsor who also wants to meet those people you're bringing and they could pay for the lunch for everybody. So you say, hey, look, we're hosting a lunch. It's on us. And this is the topic we're going to discuss and we're going to have other business owners there for you to meet. So I still think it's a it's a similar approach, but it can be more subject matter based, right? Whereas someone like me, I don't really care. You tell me the subject. Let's talk about it, you know? <laughs> You're just a uh, and yeah. if I don't know anything about it, I'm going to ask you questions yep. to learn more about it. Totally. But that's not everybody's approach. It's 
it can be more like if you set me down in front of a spreadsheet, you know, or, or, or gave me a lease for that matter. Now I've read hundreds of leases in my career, but I call reading a lease the cure for insomnia, you know? <laughs> so it's the same yeah. thing with, like, you know, in-depth CPA work. Right. I think it's cool. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad other people know it and I need those people, <laughs> but that that's not going to get me excited, but I might ask you questions. That's another key too, is, is for the, um, for the folks that are more introverted, asking questions then gives you not only the opportunity to listen, right? You don't have to lead the conversation. You can listen, but listening is going to give you a lot of clues into that person's needs or values, or, you know, it's just going to give you a lot of helpful information. So asking questions is, is a really valuable tool for anybody, but especially for introverts, because then they don't have to lead the conversation. They can let someone else talk, which most people, like certainly like myself, mm-hmm. they love talking, mm-hmm. love hearing them mm-hmm. talk. Mm-hmm. And have a so, lot to say, a lot of great stuff to say. Yeah. I've heard that said, like, be interested, not interesting, right? And it's just the basis of asking questions is really, like, you could build a whole career just on your ability to ask questions well, right? Like in the sales process, the better you are at asking questions and defining motivation, the better you are providing the solution to them, correct? So, I mean, Uh, same thing with the networking event. The better you are at asking questions, the better you could identify whether or not this is somebody you want to work with, you should be working with, or has the same avatar you do, correct? So, I mean, interested, not interesting. The more questions you ask and the more you listen, the better off you'll be. You know, and and another thing too, though, to, to further expand on that really good point, you know, the more someone else is talking, the more they are enjoying the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, which means they're enjoying your company. Um, but I always am skeptical when someone doesn't say, well, what about you? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and kind of ask that same question back to you. Because now I'm thinking, okay, I want to connect with people that are going to be willing to open their Rolodexes for me after I do it for them. But if they're showing zero interest in who I am, what I do, who I work with, how I do it, whatever, that's a red flag that someone may not be a giver, right? They only care about themselves. And we all care about ourselves to some extent, more so, some more so than others. But if you say to them, where are you from? Whatever, simple question. And they don't, and they answer you and don't say, what about you? Okay. You know, but that keeps going on and on and on where you're like, tell me about your business. And they tell you about their business, but don't ask you about yours. A little skeptical. You know, mm-hmm. what do you do for your business? Oh, I'm the CEO and this is what I do. Oh, cool. They don't ask me about me. Oh, this is interesting. Like, mm-hmm. they, what are they doing at a networking event? Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're taking, they're looking for, they want to just make it rain with their business card and hope that someone mm-hmm. picks it up and needs their services. And I, I don't think that's the, the, the best approach, but I do agree asking questions, listening is so key, not just at networking or for potential, but for clients right? For team members, when you can listen to them, you're going to gain a lot of valuable information that's going to help you be a better partner to them. Um, but hoping that they show a little interest in you as well and ask you the same questions you're asking them, that's a really good sign if they're turning it around. Totally. Yeah. It just kind of shows their cards as far as their level of ability to have a relationship. 
Yeah, I think it actually shows a lot, right? Because it's like the rule of reciprocity, right? So like if you give somebody something, naturally most people would want to give you something back in return. So the type of person that doesn't, it, it's already a red flag, right? Right. And even if they do become a client, it's going to be that same client that at the end of the deal goes, so how much of your commission is coming back to me? Right. <laughs> that's the client that does that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and Tim, I'm so glad you brought up the law of reciprocity because, uh, you know, just I, I often read Cialdini and he talks about the principles of influence and persuasion and just such great content. One of the things that he talks about, I think it was one of the YouTube videos I watched, when you give something to somebody and they say, hey, like, how can I repay you? Don't say no problem because you're intentionally telling them don't do it. You could say instead, you could say, I know you would do the same for me if the roles were reversed. And so just even setting that as a stage kind of goes to what you're saying, Bill, which is set the stage for value going back and forth because that sets the stage for potential long-term relationship instead of, hey, just take advantage of me. I don't need anything. You're you're so spot on. That's such a wonderful point. And I I love that of, of, um, you know, I know you would do the same for me, but- Mm -hmm. You know, these the, the most productive relationships are the ones that are two way streets mm-hmm. that are give, give and take. And, you know, even saying like a big thing for me, part of my process is after I meet with somebody, I've asked them during that meeting what I can do to support them. So I know how I can do that. They may not always ask me back, but to Matt's point at the beginning uh, of saying, listen, we're going to do, you know, here's what I'm going to do for you. And here's what I'm going to expect in return. You, it's fair to expect something in return. And so after I've led with the initial give, we are then going to search their LinkedIn connections, circle back and say, hey, Matt, I, I, I hope those introductions I made for you were productive. Or I hope that event, that dinner you came, you met some good people. I hope it was productive for you. I did want to ask you about these four people in your network. They represent the ideal client for me. Can you tell me how well you know them? They're going to know half of them well. You know, they're not going to know whatever. I'm going to say, great, those two people, not only am I going to ask them to introduce me, I'm going to provide the words to use, the the intro paragraph, uh, because I want it all to be tailored to the same approach I'm going to be taking. And and I want to make it easier for them. It's so much easier to cut and paste an intro than it is for them to go, oh, type up this email. I met Bill recently. He's made some good introductions. He brought me to an event. They don't care. They don't want to, they, they just, if I can cut and paste and, and, and just, it's so much easier. There's a higher probability to make that intro. Same thing goes for getting testimonials from clients. Tenant advisory group has 110 or more client testimonials on our website. We have 50 on Google. I've provided almost all of those. I've written them and said, hey, would you agree to allow us to use this testimonial? Mm -hmm. Because at first I was saying, could you write a testimonial? 100% agree with that method. 100%. Almost never happened. Yeah. Almost never Never happened. happened. But now I say, hey, here is the testimonial. Do you approve? Yes. (laughs) Would you paste it into Google? Less. Less of them do, but they they still do it. And it's so valuable. I mean, this is a process we do, which is just so incredible. When we got onto this, it was like, because the clients that love you, love you, but they're not writers. They don't know what your business needs are. They don't know anything. And so you're like, hey, I want to highlight this particular part of the experience they had, because this is going to get my future prospects over the hump. 
And when you write your testimonials, you can use them to solve the objections that anybody that would use your services would have. Mm-hmm. I love I what I do. Because be <laughs> it, it, for me, it's less about real estate and more about bringing value to people and building relationships. I remember pre-tenant advisory group, when I was taught at the big real estate firms, cold call all day long, I didn't have relationships. So people would see me because when you're cold calling, right, you're, you're selling a product. You're trying to sell a product or service to somebody. So when people would see me coming, I could see it in their eyes. Oftentimes I'd see it in their actual movements of, oh, great, here comes Bill. He's going to try to sell me his services. And they would, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a good feeling. But now people will come up to me on the street. People will come up to me at a restaurant. Wherever I am, typically, people come up to me and they say, Bill, you know, that that inter- you know, that introduction you made for me six months ago, they're now a great client. Thank you so much. Or, you know, it's it's more of people are happy to see me because they know I I, I lead with the give. I've got a go-givers mentality, um, that mindset of abundance. And and so people are now happy to see me because they know I've I've brought them value in the past which means I have the ability to bring them value in the future. And so I I have fun. I enjoy it. You know, not everyone's going to fit in to to be a great partner. Not everyone wants to meet new people. Not everyone thinks they need introductions to potential clients from me. That's okay. They're not going to fit in the, in the tag ecosystem and it's not going to be a good fit for them. And that's fine. But the people that we do surround ourselves with, enjoy being around us. They enjoy meeting our network. And, you know, I've never in my career until I started tenant advisory, have people been so happy to hire us. They're like, Bill, yes, I can finally give back to you. I can finally. And these are people that are, you know, in the past, I, you know, how hard it is to get a client and we'd have to jump through hoops and make all the cold calls and pitch and, and, and chase. And now clients are so excited to work with us. Mm. And it's just a really nice feeling. It's a good way to kind of go about the community and, and be a part of it. Um, I've, I've just, I've been really happy. Then you're talking about like, um, well, Matt knows this. Joshua Smith says this all the time. Amateurs chase, uh, professionals attract, right? So like what we're talking about, like what most of this has been about, it's been about kind of doing both, really. You're chasing people that you could attract to you. And once you have them, you're, you're giving them reasons to stick around. And not only that, but you're creating your own events too. So like you said, leveling up. It's like, okay, cool. We started out going to events. Let's make our own events. Because then you have power. You can invite the exact people that you want to work with. I mean, it's just such a brilliant strategy. And, oh, and you could just keep I building too. That. But, you know, it's, it's you're, you're, you're spot on. And it's, um, you know having that, that network of people that can also, um, be supporters. Right. And, and, uh, yeah, just getting those, and it's tough. It, it's a process. It takes time. Um, but staying the course, I, I remember, um, you know, early in my career, every year you have no idea what's going to happen. You just don't know how much business you're going to come in and, not that that has changed. I still don't know going into a year. I mean, I typically have a lot of clients at any given time, but I know that every year, barring a, a, a global pandemic, uh, 
it's going to be a very good year just because of the network I've built. And, and one of the greatest compliments I've gotten from some clients of mine is, you know, when I was working at the bigger firms, we were told, talk to cold call and told, it doesn't matter if they have a broker because odds are there wasn't a relation. It was a transactional relationship. They got a broker to do the transaction. And that's the last they've heard from them since they signed the lease. So you're taught to, it doesn't, unless that broker's their brother-in-law, their college roommate, you know, their neighbor, you, you keep pushing for the meeting. What I've been told by a lot of people in my network, a lot of clients, potential clients, is that they get a cold call from a competitor and they say, oh, we work with Bill Himmelstein. Instead of those brokers pushing for the meeting, they say, oh, yeah, uh, you're in good hands. Like these are my competitors. That just That's it. They're done. They're not going to push for the meeting. They don't know why that they, that, that they can't pull a client away from me. And I put it out there like on podcasts like this, in our, in our um, blogs that we put, I put out there this information. It's not a secret, but mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have the time or the patience to build it, to build that network and to, to get to this point. It wasn't easy. It didn't happen overnight. It was a lot of effort and a lot of giving, a lot of giving to the wrong people mm-hmm. who never gave back. Um, but you're right, Tim. I mean, once you kind of get there, I, I like that that comment you had about, you know, attracting, you know, yes, I am chasing the people that I want to attract to me. That's that's mm-hmm. that's a great way to put it. Bill, what is the tenant advisory group building currently? What are you working on? What are on? we building? Yeah, what are you working on? What is your vision for the next twelve to twenty-four months? That's a great question. You know, for me, it really starts with my people, my team members. I think they're spectacular. Interestingly enough, I uh, I used to think I could hire my own great people, uh, and I seem to never hire anyone good until I went to a recruiter who focuses on finding great people. Hmm. Now, all of a sudden, I'm stacked with great people. So I want to take care of them. I want to support them in the growth of their goals, You know, achieving of their goals, and just the growth of them as, as individuals. Um, but... It always comes down to providing great work, great service for our clients. I think, you know, others have, like the Illinois Real Estate Journal, have recognized us for that. Our client testimonials recognize us for that. But now we're starting to get calls uh, from people finding us on Google because of our Google reviews. We have 50 reviews, all five stars. And so I want to... I want to continue to provide a great service for our clients. And it's not just the transaction. It's the supporting the growth of their business over time. Uh, I want to continue doing that. Um, I'm, a, I'm a very avid investor. I love buying assets and collecting assets. And so I want to continue to do that and generate passive income. That's one of my, besides free, some of my favorite words are passive income. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, love, I love that. And so I'm on a good path. My father had said to me a couple of years after starting my business uh, and we were getting really good traction. We were on a really good path. He said, that's great, Bill. Now all you got to do is not F it up. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, that's my plan is just don't make a big mistake. Don't make it. He said, Bill, it's okay to make mistakes, but just don't make a mistake so big that you can't recover from mm-hmm. it. So, I'm really having a lot of fun. I feel very grateful that I'm in a position where I can play golf 
and it's meaningful for business. I'm playing golf with potential clients mm-hmm. that one day will work with me, or I'm going out on a boat with potential clients that, that hopefully one day will work with me or going to dinner with, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. But at the end of the day, if you don't deliver a great service and you don't knock it out of the park for your clients, no matter how much people like you, it's just, you're not going to continue to grow. You're going to, you're going to lose business. And so that's our focus is I want my team members to continue to grow and I want to help them achieve their goals uh, and build out that team so we can continue to provide a great service for our clients. Go-giver for not only your clients, but the people that work for you and everybody in your network. So, I mean, I, I mean, I can tell just talking with you that you are definitely a man of your word. You do what you say you can do. I, I, I just absolutely know it. Bill, anybody listening, obviously you could be a tremendous resource to them. So if our audience is looking for somebody in, in your space, how would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, sure. I appreciate that. You know, our website uh, is, a, is a great resource. It's uh, tagcommercialbroker.com, T-A-G, tagcommercialbroker.com. And our main focus, you know, we have three sectors we focus on, office, industrial, and medical. But I think where we really shine, where we really have the greatest understanding of what a landlord's willingness and capabilities are in terms of uh, deal terms for a client downtown Chicago office space. That's really where we shine and we do great work. Now I'm not saying we, we still add value in, in other sectors and in other States, you know, all across the country, but downtown Chicago has been my, my 22 year education. That's been what I've been studying for 22 years is downtown office space. So, um, I like to think we're, we're pretty good at it. We love what we do. We're, we're, we're excited when we get a new opportunity and we just want to, we want to build another endorser, right? We want to get another endorsement. We want to get someone that says, Hey, we're going to work with these guys again on our next expansion. And we're happy to put them in front of our clients. Beautiful. Tremendous response, Bill, Bill Himmelstein. We want to sincerely thank you for coming on our show and giving us a glimpse of your life and business and to everyone else out there chasing freedom. Freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you do nothing else, just write down one action that you got from today and it should involve marketing events. Go to one this month, make sure to implement it in the next seven days and share it with somebody, you know, that you can hold you accountable and perhaps even you could take with you. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you again for tuning into today's episode and we'll catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 